Okay. And we'll start in three, two. This is Christopher, and I want to welcome you to the Time Shifters podcast. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. Matt and I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with us. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Time Shifters Pod, and Matt is at Movies at the Matt. And you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Please rate and review the show at any of those outlets. Now, let's head to the Time Shifter Studio and start the show. Everyone, welcome back. We are here in studio with Matt. Hello, Matt. Hey. We are gearing up before the holidays. This will be the last episode. No, this, I guess, will fall after the holidays. Or is it going to fall right before the holidays? It's going to fall around the Christmas holidays. So either Merry Christmas or I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Definitely have a Happy New Year. And we have to start out this episode, unfortunately, with a lot of sad news. This has been a rough month. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not been good. It's been a horrible, horrible month for Star Trek fans. Yeah. We've lost a lot of people just recently, um, major and minor, just throughout the, uh, throughout the franchise. Starting with, I think, the, one of the first, I think it was right after we recorded DC, Dorothy DC Fontana passed away. She was a, a television writer and author, not just writing for Star Trek, writing for lots of science fiction series. Not necessarily even just science fiction series. I think she even wrote episodes for like the Waltons and like Dallas. I mean, she wrote a lot. And she is one of the most influential writers of the original series. Gene Roddenberry gave us Spock the character. She gave us Spock the person. Hmm. She kind of developed his family, uh, the, a lot of his backstory. Uh, she wrote for the original series. She wrote for the animated series. She wrote for Next Generation. I think there was a Deep Space Nine and a Voyager. There's not a little bit of Star Trek that she didn't touch. Yeah. And her influence and her, her uh, it just can't be underplayed how important she was to the franchise. And it's just, it's, it's just really, that's one of the greats. I mean, after Gene Roddenberry... <laughs> There was there was DC Fontana. And, you know, she's a groundbreaker, too. I mean, she was a woman writing for science fiction television in the 60s. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, she really broke a lot of ceilings and stuff. So just a uh, an incredible woman, very imaginative and creative. And, gosh, we're going to miss her work. I mean, thankfully, we have just decades of television shows and books that we can go and read and watch. And so... Yeah, uh, hearts go out <laughs> out to her, but unfortunately, that was not the end of the bad news. I don't. Uh, I, should, I didn't pull up his name. There was a an actor who played one of DC Fontana's stories. He was the actor that played the lead character in the episode uh, Charlie X of the Star Trek next, uh, original series. He just recently passed away as well. That happened just afterwards, and then. Uh, 
we also lost, uh, speaking of Star Trek, Rene Aubergenois passed away. He, a lot of people might know him going back into the, was it in the 80s, I guess, with the show Benson. Mm. Um, but is an actor that goes back decades, but he made a real big name for himself in the Star Trek community when he played Odo on Deep Space Nine, the shape-shifting alien. And a, a fantastic actor, comedic, dramatic, regardless of what he did, he was great at it. And uh, yeah, another just big force just lost, unfortunately. Oh, and then on top of it all off, uh, Marina Sirtis's husband, she played Deanna Troy in The Next Generation. Her husband passes away during all this, too. So yeah, it's just for Star Trek this month, and it's just it's just taking a hit. Sure. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a rough month. So um, yeah, but that unfortunately isn't the only long-lived uh, franchise that has suffered this month. Uh, yeah, uh, Carol Spinney, the the puppeteer and voice actor of Big Bird, had, has died at the age of eighty five. That is that one was a, a definitely a punch in the gut. I mean, he had just retired recently. Yeah, uh, he had some medical issues. I mm-hmm. think that were starting to impact his ability to perform. Muscular issues, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, that I think is what eventually took his life. Uh, very very sad. Um, yeah. But my gosh, I mean, I think he lived he lived the life he wanted to live. Yep. Um, he lived a fantastic life. He loved Big Bird. Mm-hmm. Um, he loved Oscar. He was Oscar the Grouse yes. as well. I just think Big Bird is the one that I oh, always... Anytime somebody yeah. says Carol Spinney, I picture that giant bird immediately. <laughs> I know he was Oscar, but like I just don't cut to that. No, that, exactly. Exactly. He was Big Bird. I, I think if he was going to be remembered for anything, I think Big Bird would be what he would want anyway. Yeah. You know? Uh, if one Muppet had to fade into, into, you know, just fade away, he'd probably be okay with Oscar <laughs> versus Big Bird. Um, yeah, I mean, we all grew up with him. Um, it's, yeah, it's just a really sad loss. It was a sad day when he retired because of and why he had to retire. Right. It really wasn't his choice, I think, if it weren't for these medical issues. He'd still be Big he'd Bird. Be, yeah, he'd be Big Bird. Or at least yeah. the voice. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, so yeah, that's definitely a big loss there. Mm-hmm. So on to some lighter news. Yes, please. Um, I thought it was interesting. They kind of all at once DC dropped release dates for Shazam two. Ooh, I missed that. They finally put a release date for the Flash movie to star Ezra Miller, and for a Black Adam movie. Right. Okay. All three coming out um, in down the road. Black Adam will be coming out. December 22nd, 2021, Shazam 2 will be April 1st. It is not an April Fool's joke. I kept waiting for that. It wasn't. April 1st, 2022. And The Flash will be July 1st, 2022. Oh, all right. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, well, I'm guessing the Black Adam movie will then will probably tie right into the Shazam 2 movie. I hope so. I mean, they, they definitely teased it up in the first Shazam the film. Whose chair is that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, and then they, they, you know, showing, telling the whole backstory of, oh, we gave it to this one person, but he abused the power. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that was, that's the setup. So I guess, and that's what we're going to see with the Black Adam, maybe. And I feel like Dwayne Johnson got cast in this forever ago. Like, yeah, we heard forever. that so long ago and then nothing, but he kept saying he was still in, he was still in, he's excited to do this. And you're sitting there going like, okay. 
when. <laughs> and after seeing the the balance of humor versus action and drama in the first Shazam, I think Dwayne Johnson they they can keep that theme and I think it'll work really well. He'll fit right into that. Yes. And to the point where it's like I'm kind of hoping Shazam 2 is Black Adam versus Shazam. <laughs> That's what a lot of people are hoping. And I I kind of really want to see that happen. Mm-hmm. I want to see those two actors <laughs> on the same screen together. Yeah. And there there's a really good uh, comic book and animated movie, too. Of It's pretty much uh, Superman is involved in, in, in their story as well. And I think that would be an interesting thing of here comes this third Titan. Right. But he can't stand with them because they're powers come from magic and he can't handle magic Mm -hmm. so i think that would be like an interesting thing of he might be physically stronger but you hit him with a lightning bolt and he's done so he could help but he won't be the one who saves the day day. which would be like a big thing of like here's billy who's a kid who's probably like no that's superman he'll Mm -hmm. he'll save the day oh he can't i have to Mm -hmm. against someone who i think is bigger and stronger than me yeah oh i like that yeah that's what I I would love to see, especially since like Zachary Levi, he's a big bulky dude, but Dwayne Johnson is a mountain. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, good point. And I'd well, be curious to see if they, you know, who's going to play Superman if that happens. Henry Cavill keeps saying that it's his that yeah. that he's Superman. That he he was just quoted a few weeks ago saying, "No, I'm still Superman. The cape's in my closet. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> he doesn't want to go anywhere. Apparently, it's just been scheduling, and it's not been. There hasn't been a fallout. It's just been more of." DC's backed off of Superman movies because of how the other ones were received, so they want to focus on other characters. It's like, I kind of don't blame them for that. So if he keeps showing up in more of like these supporting roles, I'd be fine with that. Sure. There's no problem. If if we can't make a Superman movie work, even though I think you can make a Superman movie right. work, but they, you know, superhero movies are at the point now where it's like, if you don't make a billion, you're a failure. Right. Maybe a Superman movie can't make a billion at this point, so... Maybe he could just be like the Hulk in the Marvel movies. He just shows up on the side, right. and we love when he does. Exactly, yeah. And, well, if DC, if they, when they step away from a character for a while, if they would actually spend that time trying to figure out what they did wrong, <laughs> it wouldn't be so bad. Well, Warner Brothers never does that. No. Oh, well. But, yeah, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be fine for him just make the cameos in the films. Yeah. yeah that, that works. Yeah, or he can even have, like, you know, second billing like he could be right. a, a prominent part in a movie where it's like oh he's kind of like teaming up with someone but it's still so-and-so's movie right and if, if you even do the cameo it also makes it easier for you to keep that same actor too mm-hmm. because it's not as much of a time commitment you right. know he can go and do whatever he wants to do we just need you like for five days just shave you know? your mustache yeah <laughs> shave your mustache please thank you yep exactly all right so last bit um did you see the trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife. I did. What did you think? I have to admit, it kind of pushed all the right buttons. Did it? Yeah, it really okay. did. It's kind of like, okay, they're not trying to recreate. It's not trying to recreate something. Uh, it's just a lot of nods to the original. I mean, this kid is Egon's son somehow. Or grandson. Grandson. Is it a I thought, boy or girl? I thought it was a boy. I thought it was a girl. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> This kid, this, up. this kid is a grandkid of of Egon Spangler, and that is obvious. You know, they they set up and they do all the right things. They they pan across the table, which is full of more spolds and fungus. Uh, no, they, I think they did a really neat thing of like telling. 
it's going to be a story that that's in the universe without being a retelling of the first story. It's not a reboot. It's just a another story in this universe. And I'm like they did the, they did all the right things. They they showed the right things. They played the right music stings. Uh, it it kind of worked for me. It made me to the point it was like. I don't know. It's certainly never going to replace like Ghostbusters for me. Right. But it's like, I, I look at this and think this isn't a movie I'm going to hate. <laughs> I wonder if we were maybe thinking of two different uh, kids that we saw. Cause there's oh, okay. McKenna Grace in the trailer and then there's uh Finn Wolfhard. Um, so yeah, maybe we were each thinking of a different kid. Right. But uh Yeah. I, 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 for me, that whole trailer was carried by Paul Rudd just being like, "Oh, look at this replica! Nice you replica have. of a then it starts ghost glowing." Catcher. Wait, who, <laughs> what is this? Who are you? Yeah, and then you even get that Bill Murray voiceover. Yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah, he sounds <laughs> like Peter Venkman all over again. He's yeah. kind of put a little bit more. Well, life I in his assume, voice. no, I assumed that was the actual just clip from the original film. That was a line from the original movie. Oh, you don't think it was just him no, coming back? I don't think so. I think that was just the clip from the original movie. Okay, yeah, but it fit. It does fit. <laughs> it fit what was going on in in this film or in this trailer. So yeah, I'm kind of uh, kind of excited for it. Okay, definitely more excited for it than any of the other the Ghostbusters two or the uh, the recent Ghostbusters film. I, answer the call. Answer the call. Yeah, All those right. I saw those trailers and they're like, eh, mm, yeah. Okay, this one I'm kind of excited. Great. So so that's all I got news wise. Did you see the Wonder Woman eighty four trailer? I did. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like trailers are doing what I think is a good job of teasing you with like. A mood like that one did, right? Uh, like Wonder Woman did, like Ghostbusters did, and tells you absolutely nothing about the plot, right? Like Ghostbusters, like okay, there's a, ne- a new generation. I really don't know anything else. Yeah. Like some people are like, oh, Gozer's coming back. I'm like, how did you get that Where from the trailer? Yeah, right. Exactly. And so Wonder Woman, it's like it's Wonder Woman. It's the '80s, and Steve's back. Where Steve's he, back. He's, right. He's dead. What? Is he dead? Yeah. Like, is he dead? Is that a shapeshifter? Like, is something else going on? Is she getting many? I don't know. So, like, I, I like what they're showing. I like both of these trailers I liked, but at the same time, I was like, I have no idea what's going on. They, so, le- they left you with questions. So many questions that I'm just sort of like, I got too many questions, and I got a backlog of movies to watch. I can't think about this right now. <laughs> but it's the kind of questions that you, you, you now want to go to that movie yes. to get the answers. Yes. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah, I enjoyed Wonder Woman 84. I like the Ghostbusters one, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm too tired for this. <laughs> I'm almost sorry they, uh, they gave away the... Uh, Using the lasso to swing from lightning bolt to lightning bolt. It makes me hope that that's not the coolest thing she does in the movie. <laughs> yeah, but I have to think that they, that they had saved that. It had it been in the movie, you would have sat there and gone, "Holy crap! She's swinging from the lightning bolt." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe later she grabs a lightning bolt yeah. and swings with it directly. Who knows? I, I think my favorite part of the trailer is just that end, that last bit of comedy where she's like, this is art. And then he starts staring at a trash can. But that's a trash. Okay, that's a trash can. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Welcome to the 80s, Steve. To the- yeah. <laughs> Blopped out of World War One to go to the 80s. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Saw a few different things the last couple of weeks. Took in the Ryan Johnson whodunit movie Knives Out. Oh, okay. I've... This is another film that, you know, I've heard good and bad. Oh, it's I've really heard kinda... 
overwhelmingly good, and I loved it. Good. All it's right. a great whodunit. You know, the trailer comes right out and says, there is one singular criminal in this, and yes, there is, and there are clues, and there's different clues to make you think it could be this person, it could be that person, but if you pay attention, and as they go back and reveal who did it, you see which clues and how they line up. So I was able to figure out the who, but I wasn't able to figure out the how. Mm. So I was so close. All right. Interesting. And, you know, they don't do the cop out of, they all did it. Or right. And I, I got to a point where I was thinking, like, is the guy really dead? Is this just another story he's telling? Nope. Nope. He's dead. And someone did it. <laughs> Figure it out. So this it's is like a, a serious clue. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Well, I wouldn't even say it's serious because it's definitely funny, too. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's a really good movie. Uh, has a lot to say about the real world, and uh, yeah, I, I would. I haven't rewatched it yet, but I would totally rewatch this, All right, even sweet. though I know who's done it. All right, that that says something right there. That's tough to do with a murder mystery yes. type movie. You okay? Here's the answer. I want to watch it again. <laughs> Exactly. That says a lot. Yes, because now I want to go back and see those clues that I missed and be like, oh, it was right there the whole time. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Saw the Netflix movie The Highwayman, which we had talked about when the trailer first came out. It's the uh, Kevin Costner, Woody Harrelson. Oh, right. The two Texas Rangers who have to go get Bonnie and Clyde. Right. Okay. Oh, that's right. It was Okay, the Bonnie and Clyde told from the... uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they really do. What I liked about it is Bonnie and Clyde are barely in this movie. Mm-hmm. You don't even get a good look at their faces until that moment in Bonnie and Clyde's right. history. So they kind of become these mythic figures. You see a handful of their crimes kind of just like over their shoulder just to give you a, a, a sense of who they actually were. Because you see these two guys trying to tail them across several states and wherever they go, they're revered by the public as, mm-hmm. as modern-day Robin Hoods. Right. And people love them, and they love the story. And it's like these two people are monsters. Murderers, yeah. Right. They are gunning people down just for a handful of dollars and a tank of gas just to keep the ride going. And so it's these two guys being like, well, we know what, it, what, it, what it's going to take. We know how this is going to end. But it does a really good job of neither of them like that decision. They know what they have to do. They know they have to ambush these two and and gun them down. They don't want to do that, but they know there's no other way that it ends. Mm-hmm. And so it's not so much that they wrestle with that. It's that they both agree this is what happens and we have to live with that. And it kind of ends shortly after that. And you see how they don't like it, but it was necessary. It's a really, really, really good movie. And these, good, two, these two are at their A-game acting as these characters. Nice. Yeah, it's good. I like I've I think I like Kevin Costner more as he's gotten older. When I yeah. when I see him more now, I actually like him as an actor more than I did when he first came on the scene. Sure. There, there's a few Kevin Costner movies that I still like, um, but I think just he's gotten better mm. uh, as he's gotten older. Yeah, he's honed his craft. Mm-hmm. And then not a movie, but we've both been watching Crisis on Infinite Earths. We have. Have you seen all three parts? I did. So, I feel like it. It the parts are greater than the whole. Yeah, yeah. the The story itself is very reliant on because the plot said so. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, and it's also relying on you having an understanding of what crisis is. And even if you didn't, you probably were told about it by somebody like this is the biggest story in DC's history. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm enjoying it for all the little cameos, for all the little callbacks to films, mm-hmm. to television shows. Things Bring, they didn't tease. <laughs> yeah, the things they didn't tease. Exactly. I mean, the first person you see in the Supergirl, the first episode with the Supergirl is Robert Wool. Yes. And it's like... <laughs> That's 89 you, you, Batman. Yeah. You you see him for just a split second, you know, and he's like, oh, oh I hope you're watching, big guy. I'm thinking, wait, is that... I'm to be... But that was! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, it, that kind of stuff uh, is what's really making this fun for me. Yes. And a lot of these cameos are cameos. Oh, you know, yeah. 10 seconds. Like, uh, Burt Ward was there for, like, a line yep. for five seconds, and that was it. Um, what's her name? Um, something Scott, maybe, uh, played the Huntress. Yes, in the third episode. In the third episode. Uh, and then you hear Oracle in her earpiece. Right. And, and you're, that's it. And you, you look at her and like, wait, is that? And you look, yes, she played Huntress in the in the Birds short- of Prey short-lived uh, Birds of Prey from the 1990s. I'm like, that's incredible. I mean, I obviously, I, I guess they knew that that show existed, but I didn't think anyone really knew, remembered that that show existed. <laughs> oh, a lot of people did. A lot of people were excited about it. There was one person who, after the second episode aired, tweeted at uh, Mark Guggenheim and said, you know, I'm really upset that we're we're few episodes in and you haven't mentioned... Uh, the, the actress who played Barbara Gordon in Birds of Prey, because all of these other shows have somebody who's like at the computer communicating with the hero, mm. the person in the microphone. They're like, you know, Felicity Smoke wouldn't exist without Oracle. And his response was, I will accept your apology in 24 hours. <laughs> so I thought that was great. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but the thing I'm loving is Brandon Routh's Superman is everything I hoped for and more. He is fantastic so good the one thing that i think this is suffering from is it's so big and there's so many threads and they're dealing with you know still stuff from their own shows Mm -hmm. is that there's been a lot of tell not show like in the third episode brandon ralph superman is off trying to save other universes and we never see him do it and he comes back and he's frustrated because he couldn't get anybody back and he couldn't stop that world from falling um, cause he's by himself and he, you know, and, and the lowest from another earth asks why there's black on his S and he's talking about how hope will still cut through the darkness. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but we never see him do that. We just right. hear him talk about it. And it's like, that is a great speech. That is a great moment. He is delivering it perfectly. But it he's means posing. nothing because we don't have that. Right. Yeah. So l- let's go see him try and fail and mm-hmm. get back up and try again. Don't just have us see him teleport in and be like damn it i missed going back out there like no let's see him have (laughs) a big fight and lose yeah you almost need an entire season of this of these crossovers just one episode to another uh world after world falling yeah to tell this story because yeah it is so abridged uh just then this happened this happened and you're here and great and that's it the end oh what yeah (laughs) And then uh, I I was most underwhelmed by the third episode, which aired on The Flash, because I, I'm starting to wonder if Grant Gustin was dealing with like an, a real life injury, because in all three episodes, he's barely done anything as The Flash. Mm. There's like there's even a part where they're like, hey, where's Barry? He's doing reconnaissance. I'm like, 
That shouldn't could, take long. Right. <laughs> he's, he's the Flash. He's the Flash. Why does he why is he not in this scene? And and he doesn't really do much in all three episodes. Like in the second episode, I don't think he suits up. Yeah. So I'm thinking like he's hurt, right? Like Grant Gustin was not actually available for the things he needed to do, was he? It's a little weird. And other people have been pointing out they're like, when is Barry gonna do anything? Mm-hmm. He hasn't. Right. Even when he's like, okay, this is what I need to do. Like, nope, not you. This is someone else. (laughs) What? What? And that (laughs) was such a bummer to me. That moment wasn't earned. He has no relationship with that person. He has a great relationship with Jay Garrick, who's played by who's the same actor. And it's Mm -hmm. like, so we had the actor. Why couldn't we just do that? And that moment was like, no, you can't do it. It has to be me. And it's like, I kind of don't care. Right. We only just met you last year. Mm-hmm. whoop de doo Yeah. So I'm hoping parts four and five really bring it together because three kind of made me just go, eh. Yeah. Well, and I'm hoping now, too, I don't want to spoil too much for anyone who hasn't caught up or whatever. I'm assuming you'll take this little the hiatus to catch up if you have not already, is you have now kind of, trim the cast down a little bit. Yes. And I think that was really starting to suffer. By the time you got into that third episode, they'd been collecting characters from all these shows and just kept and kept. And and so you had to keep doing the, oh, well, they're in the other room. Or they're in, they had to keep making up excuses yep. why all these people weren't in, right, weren't there when they needed to be. And then occasionally you would just see them just walking. Like, why are you just casually walking down a hall yeah <laughs> another part of the ship shouldn't you be doing something mm-hmm. um so so yeah i'm hoping now that we've got the cast kind of trimmed down a little bit yeah to seven yeah the last thing i want to say though kevin conroy's amazing as batman live action <sighs> I whatever liked the twist they gave that character for that batman that or that bruce wayne every time kevin conroy comes back to play bruce wayne batman in a different version, it is always a different version. Mm-hmm. And once again, he knocks it out of the park. And you believe Did, what his character went even through. Even though you knew it was coming, when you first heard his voice from off screen, did the hairs not stand up on the oh, back of your Oh, instantly. Yeah. And, you, and, and, you know, he's got that initial, like, you know, who's there? And then he sees Batwoman and his voice softens a little bit. But then the scene keeps going and you've figure out what's gone on with his character and it gets harsher and harsher and mm-hmm. just it gets so like to a place I've never heard him take the voice before right. and you're just sort of like oh damn this guy's been through a lot <laughs> so far that was probably one of the two things of that I've seen out of the three episodes that I would consider the real highlight for me like I can walk away from all five finish the thing we'll see what the last you know four and five do but I really feel like take away out of all five episodes, those moments mm-hmm. with Earth ninety nine Bruce Wayne are is going to be like my favorite, right? <laughs> and everything that happens in that episode with that character is yeah. like, wow, <laughs> yeah, so so good. So yeah, uh, Brandon Routh Superman highlight. Yep, Kevin Conroy's Bruce Wayne. I love the <sighs> highest of highlight. I love the callback with Brandon Routh. You know, uh, oh, and I got to mention before I even get into that, John Cryer as Lex Luthor. Yes. Even when he started showing up on Supergirl, I was like, I don't know. It's it's all right. Whatever. Honestly, by the end of these three episodes, it's like, I can't, 
I'm having a hard time thinking anyone else other than John Cryer is Lex Luthor now. <laughs> <laughs> He's a really good job he at it, yeah. He does the amazing job of being able to really convey the, I'm not the bad guy. Right. I'm gonna, he's doing, he'd be like strangling a kitten and then. Trust me, it's for the greater good. <laughs> yeah. And, and you completely buy that he believes it. Yes. Which is the Lex Luthor that we deserve because yeah. that is who he is exactly so yeah he's really really knocking it out of the park so yep. there so there you go earth 99 batman <laughs> brandon ralph and john Cryer is lex Luthor. there's the highlight and i even like tom welling's one scene as his mm. clark kent from smallville <laughs> brilliant you know another great see that's what i'm saying there there are, the parts are greater than the whole yeah. there are just so much little little vignette i'm hoping someone at some point when all five episodes are done they'll just do like a highlight reel on youtube or something and oh, you yeah. can just watch and just see the best I'll cut bits. that together <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what i was going to mention before uh, the um, with the two uh, lex luthor has you know the two supermen fighting and of course, in, in the end, everything works out fine. And you're like, are "You okay now?" He's like, "Believe it or not, this is the second time I went crazy and, and fought myself." Yes, <laughs> that is a brilliant line. Yes, <laughs> I love that. I laughed real hard at that. I did part. too. I did too. And the oh, I gotta mention the various musical cues. Oh yeah, yeah. When you cut to the opening and you hear like the original the 89 Batman theme, then you cut to Burt Ward Batman theme when Brandon Routh Superman shows up and you get that classic Superman yep. theme. Like, oh, they're yeah. just doing a great, no, great job. Great music cues, some real nice subtle stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, looking forward to uh, parts four and five that'll be in a month. Yeah, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's been good. It's, it's held up. It's and, been fun. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I'm hoping the same thing that you are that that whittled down cast will uh, give us more character focused. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You don't have to you don't have to try to fit in so, so much. Find something to do for everybody. Maybe bringing back everybody wasn't a great idea. <laughs> Blow it all up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, uh, anything else? Any other news or anything? Nah, I could geek out about that for another hour. Yeah, I know. We could do an entire show. We'll, we'll, we'll have, we'll have we'll to do a whole uh, just for crisis, crisis uh, on Infinite Earth uh, podcast. All right, so we'll go ahead and take a break, and we'll take play a promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we're going to look at 1945, The Body Snatcher. Fourteen seasons, Sam and Dean Winchester have been busy with saving people, hunting things, and the family business on the CW Supernatural. It sounds like a lot for someone to come along and try to catch up on the hundreds of episodes this show has to offer. But that's exactly what we're making my little sister do, whether she likes it or not. I'm Matt. I'm PG. And I'm Jess. Two of us are huge fans, one of us is an unspoiled newbie, and we're watching every episode of Supernatural together. We discuss, analyze, and playfully mock this show all to realize that everyone dies and no one gets closure. Listen to Season 14, Time for a Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. All right, now this one is one that is relatively new to me. I only first discovered it because they showed it as a 
part of their screening um, selection at a Monster Bash convention two years ago, I, I'm going to say. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. I've never seen it. I'll go and watch it. Left amazed and left thinking Boris Carlos at his best. Um, so this was definitely one that I wanted. This is like the movie I want to share now <laughs> with everyone. <laughs> you know, pick an old movie that you should watch. Oh, I've got one. <laughs> Did you were able to come up with a synopsis for this one? Uh, oh, you know what? I actually forgot to do that, but let me just wing it. Um, so <laughs> set in uh, 1831, Edinburgh, Scotland. Dr. McFarlane is a uh, a medical teacher with a... a bunch of students who learn by dissecting um cadavers cadavers donated cadavers in a time when getting cadavers legally is not so easy so they turn to cabman gray a guy who makes his living one as a cabbie but also on the side by digging up bodies illegally and making a bit of a profit off of it a resurrection man yes and so you get into the whole idea of uh is what you're learning worth it when you discover that Cabman Gray might not just be digging up bodies? <laughs> yes. And compound with that, we find throughout the, throughout the story that Gray and uh, McFarland have a past, a, a shared past as well. And it goes all the way back to the real-life events of William Burke and William Hare. Which they mention in the movie. Which they mention several times. This film is uh, based on a short story uh, written by uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, which is based on the real-life events of Hare and Burke. Now, uh, the Burke and Hare murders were a series of 16 killings uh, committed in 1828 in Edinburgh, Scotland. And it was uh, similar to this. It was uh, they discovered that uh, it was far easier to just start killing people for their bodies to sure. sell to medical schools than it was to dig them up or wait for someone to some pauper to die or right. to donate their body or something like that. Because you figure if you find somebody in a back alley, it's definitely quicker to kill them, throw them in the back of your your carriage, and get them where you need to go right. than to spend the next like what couple hours digging one up. Exactly, not getting seen. These murders and, you know, and these people coming to trial and everything kind of shed a light on what was going on kind of behind the scenes. It was kind of one of these dirty secrets, even amongst the medical community, that it was kind of like they knew graves were being robbed, but they needed the bodies, so they just sort of looked the other way. Yep. And now suddenly it was in the public eye that that was happening because these guys actually committed murders, and that uncovered the, the whole body snatching thing, and... Yeah, it kind of blew everything up uh, after that. Uh, so, yeah, you can definitely see where someone would look at this actual news story and think, hmm, there's a story here. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a horror story to be it's written. It's pretty much written itself. I just got to make <laughs> some characters up. Exactly. And they even uh, – and this film uh, uses some of the names that uh, Stevenson used, but changed the roles slightly yeah. a little bit. Uh, McFarlane, Fetty's, uh, Gray – all of these characters actually gray was a an, a there was a john gray that actually was involved in the actual uh well, his an, name is john gray the hmm? his name is john is john gray yeah. yeah there was an actual uh, a, a husband and wife uh john gray and his wife are actually kind of uh, very important in uncovering uh what burke and hare were doing in the actual uh events so that name kind of carries through to the story and then carries through to the movie but all Obviously, with a slightly different uh, uh, role to play. Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, this was a film that was relatively new to me, but I, I just, I was so amazed at it. I've seen Boris Karloff in a lot of different films. Uh, of course, most famous, he's the Frankenstein monster, mm-hmm. you know, from 1931, 32, I forget. Uh, played him a couple times and then, you know, some other roles. I've seen him in other things, not the monster, you know, and he's, and he's a good actor. I think he's a great actor. This one I think is just, I think he's phenomenal. I agree. Yeah. Um, every, the best scenes were the ones that he was in where he is just, you know, you meet him as the cab driver bringing Mrs. Marsh and her the daughter. so congenial and friendly cab driver. Right. But then every scene after that, you're like, oh, He's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. He knows he's the bad guy, and he loves that he's the bad guy. <laughs> and every scene as the movie goes, you see how much he loves being the bad guy more and more. Till right to the very end, where he's like, "I'm the villain. Mm-hmm. I love being the villain, and I'm not gonna ever stop being the villain." He even explains it at one yes. point. He actually spells it out. It's like, "I do this because I." I'm just a cab driver. I am nobody, but I know that I hold this power over you. Right. And that makes it all worth it. It makes life worth living. Yeah. (laughs) He's just so happy to have ended up in this circumstance. Like, yeah, okay, I'll do this. I'll torment you if it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. He is one of... (laughs) I wish he had a mustache to twirl. That's the only (laughs) thing missing from his character. Yeah, he's got to whip the brandishes, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Every scene with him is is glorious. Um, I wish everyone else was up to his level. Mm. The uh, 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 Henry Daniel is probably the next best actor in this movie. And he would he played McFarlane, right? Yes, the yeah. doctor. Mm-hmm. But Russell Wade as Fetty's was so flat and so boring. <laughs> he looked like he just read his line two minutes before he delivered them. I really wish there was more from his character, especially since he was kind of the observer to all of this. And he was the one torn between worlds of doing the right thing but wanting to be a a good doctor like you you, saw him go back and forth and i just wish he wasn't this boring boy scout of a person he's meant to be conflicted but you never really see the conflict right he's like but you can't do that oh we have to okay okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's literally that quick right i'm not going to be a doctor anymore i'll i'll give you room and board I guess I'll keep being I guess a doctor. I'm a doctor. Yeah. yeah, he's murdered a man. Yeah, but they might pin it on you. There's no reason they would pin it on you. Oh crap! I think they're gonna pin it on me. I'll keep going along. You could just walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you've threatened to do six times. Yeah, unfortunately, and it's just something that really stood out on this viewing is what I think I love most is the how well rounded and how much depth some of the characters have. Uh, McFarland and of course Gray, they have a reason for being, and they have a reason for doing what they do, for acting the way they do, and that only makes the characters that aren't as well rounded stand out that much and more. That's, that was Fetty's problem. Yeah, I didn't get him too much. Yeah, and he's not the worst. I think. I think unfortunately the uh, the mother with her child is probably. The most one note. I mean, they are there strictly. Yeah, their plot point. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fine with that. Uh, but yeah, because he he's supposed to. Because I felt like Fetty's is supposed to be us. Usually, when I like th- things that I love about movies is when I can identify 
who the audience is supposed to latch on to and feel like, oh, that's me in this movie. And I, I guess the problem is that, like, if Fetty's actually had the the moral high ground, he would have walked away after the first <laughs> body was brought in illegally or exactly. dug up when he knows this is the body, the the son of that woman he met earlier that day. And, like, when he found out, like, oh, and they killed the dog. Like, if that's me, I'm like... I'm not even going back to tell the guy I quit. I just quit. You just don't show up again. Yeah, that's it. And I guess the movie would be over. You go to Paris or someplace to study. Uh, Yeah, yeah. anything. But at least give him a reason as to why he stays of like something. Maybe it's like, but this is the thing that we're going to do that's going to help us figure out how to help that little girl. And I need your help in helping that little girl. But instead, he's an observer, Mm -hmm. just like all the other students. If he was like further along in medical school of like, well, no, you're pretty much a doctor. You know, you just haven't done any of these surgeries yet. Do that with him. Don't just make him a student who can't afford being a doctor. Something a little bit more to right. give me a good reason as to why he would stay. Because mm-hmm. he's got nothing but reasons to leave and no reason to stay. <laughs> well, maybe he thinks he has reasons. Maybe that's maybe he just doesn't see the out but as easy as we do as observers i i don't know but he says them that's the no. thing he's like i can't yeah. i can't okay. be a party to this great leave and then somebody's like now nah, you should stay let's oh. start the party <laughs> <laughs> yeah like he's he's the one big problem i have with this movie just somebody rewrite him a little bit just mm-hmm. a little bit and yeah. get an actor who can act <laughs> yeah. but you're you are right i mean this film is all about uh Karloff and daniel yeah. uh going at each other and and being in the scenes. I mean, that's what this thing is all about. And I I really enjoyed and appreciate, even though the movie's only like an hour and 18 minutes, there is a slow burn to their backstory. Yeah. You get right away there's a history because when he, when uh, Gray delivers the first body, McFarlane is not there Mm -hmm. to witness it. He just walks in right after and then he says to Fitties, Got your first delivery from Gray, did you? Mm-hmm. Yes, this is this is a big moment for you. This is a milestone. This is the first of many. Right. It's like, okay, so you've been there for a lot of mm-hmm. that. And then you start to find like, oh, he Gray calls him Toddy. He knows him by a different name. There's a there's a history. I don't know what the history is yet. Five scenes later you get a little bit more of it, and then at the end you get right. all of it. And it's just it builds up. And I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that this film doesn't start with like a placard of and this is what happened in the past, and this is the story of Burke and Hare. You know, it doesn't yeah. do any of that. You learn it. Exactly. And you learn it through interesting conversation. It's not exposition being thrown at you. There's only one part, which is when Meg tells Fetty's what happened. I'm like, we could have cut that out. Mm. We didn't need her doing that, especially since Fetty's does nothing with that information. Right. Yeah. We just, but, you know, you get it from their back and forth and, you know, because one of them has had too many drinks, so he can't keep his mouth yeah, shut that, kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I, I think is really great is when you get the most out of anybody, it's one they've been drinking and you think, that makes sense. that yeah. they would suddenly go, oh, well, I did this for you back in, like, well, yeah, you're going to start rambling because yes. you've been sitting there, you've been drinking for who knows how long. And you're feeling bad about something and you just need to get it out. Mm-hmm. And I buy every second yeah, of that. So for the most part, it doesn't feel like forced exposition. No. Which it's just, like you said, for being as a tight a film as it is, you would expect someone at some point to go, well, let me tell you a story. Right. Uh, I've got a monologue to deliver. Because we, we, we only have 60 minutes, so we need to get this moving. You know? Yeah. And it doesn't. And no. it's just 
gives you just what you, just as much as you need to get through that next scene, and 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 then it gives you a little bit more to mm-hmm. like keep pulling you along. And I like how it happens in different ways. When it's Karloff delivering it, it's because he's twirling his mustache mm-hmm. and he's saying it to. Oh, old. you wouldn't want me to go and tell somebody about you know. right. And you're like, about what? Wait, I need more. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's just a good way of how he does it. And then when McFarlane does it, it's because he's feeling guilty. He is just racked with so much guilt, and he needs to let it out. Mm-hmm. And you're getting the same kind of info dump. Two completely different and very interesting and very believable ways. Like, that's just damn good writing. It's great writing within performances where I've said it, I think this is Karloff at his best. When he speaks, when he speaks to McFarland, when he's, you know, calling him Toddy, it just, every line just drips with just evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, Oh, you don't want to be in the room. You feel like you need a shower yeah. after after listening to him talk. He's so creepy and slimy, but you can't look away because he's he's killing it in, in these seats. <laughs> he's just doing such a damn good job. And I kept thinking that like we were going to get some kind of major twist of like he's so evil that I kept waiting for someone to be like he's the devil. He's the actual devil. Like, this is what he does. Because there's a point in the movie where, and this is where I was hoping more would come from Fetty's, of like, no one's forcing him to do anything. And he just wants to be a good doctor, and he wants to learn under McFarlane because this is the best opportunity. He's the smartest doctor around who does, you know, more dissections on cadavers than anybody. And, you know, there's that point where... uh Gray is like, well, maybe you're not as good a doctor as you think you are. And then he finally takes the surgery of the little girl and he does a great job. And everyone was like, that was masterful. I can't Mm -hmm. believe he did that. So he is as good a doctor as he says he is. And I just kept waiting for this whole like plot point with Fetty's of like, no one forced you to do these things. Nobody forced you. You know, you found out murders were going on. You could have walked away, but you didn't. You, you kept going and it's this whole slippery slope kind of thing of like you dug your own grave Mm -hmm. you could have left at any time and now you're as corrupt and as as dirty-handed as anybody here and we don't get that no and i was so waiting for that if this film were maybe another half an hour if this was an hour and a half two hour film or just rearrange a handful of scenes of of just the the way it ends I, i i like the way it ends but I think I would have liked the other way a little bit more. Yeah, the end, they kind of go for a... It's kind of like a um, it's, a telltale heart kind of ending. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so you, you think that his, his, his guilt finally, McFarlane's guilt finally catches up with him. But it's like, that still seems to kind of come out of nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Because he doesn't seem to be all guilty. I mean, he's suddenly like, oh, hey, I know that cemetery. There's no one around. We can get a fresh body there. Right. Uh, oh, okay. And he just found out that the girl can walk. It's the best news he's gotten right. in weeks. Right. He so, should have no guilt whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Why does it come to a head now? That's just to the point where I feel like, oh, crap, we need to get this under 70 minutes. And end. end. Right. Yeah. But you still could have done something of like, you know, because I'm just going to come right out and spoil it. The movie's from 1945. <laughs> you had your time. He kills Gray. Mm-hmm. He goes to drink it off somewhere. 
Fetties has found out the girl can walk. Wouldn't it have been better if if McFarlane is at the is at the bar at the pub, drinking his guilt away? Fetties doesn't get there in time. He hears about the body that's just been uh, buried. Decides to go get it by himself, and Fetties is always just like a step behind to say, "But she can walk. She can walk. If only mm-hmm. he could get this news. He could know he's done." That has been worth it. That it was right. worth all of this stuff, and then his guilt boils over, and he drives his carriage off the road. And if only Fetty's had gotten there in time, which would have given his character something to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you kind of let the—I don't want to say he's the bad guy, but he's not the good guy. McFarland isn't a good guy, right? Which to me, so he justifies that ending. He doesn't get his. If the way you tell the story, yeah, okay, no, I, that, it still works out the same way. I was gonna say it kind of doesn't give him his comeuppance, but I guess it does, and, right? And probably even in, in, a, in a darker way. I, actually, the way this movie ends, it almost, it almost uh, skirts giving him his comeuppance. He, all, right. he almost gets away with it, you know, right. um, until they finally decide, nope, you 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 have to pay for your crime, kind right? Of thing. And I, I I do wonder if that's a little bit of this was postcode, so I wonder if this was kind of the Hayes code kind of thing stepping in, saying you can't have a guy that has killed people getting away with murder. Right. Like you can't you can't end your movie that way, despite how good intentions or whatever. Maybe that's where this ending comes from. Sure. But he still dies in my ending. <laughs> he just dies like the the guilt it to me, like the the justification for the guilt isn't there in mm-hmm. the movie ending. Right. But it would be this other way of like you just can't take it anymore, and mm-hmm. you know that follows the Hayes code of don't kill, you'll feel bad about it and go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas in this one, it's like you've killed a person, you've gotten completely away with it, mm-hmm. you've just gotten the best news ever, and then you go crazy. <laughs> Maybe, sure, just push that out there. Yeah, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Okay, <laughs> is all you would need someone to say at the end. I think. Um. You get the whole quote, uh, the the hip, the little yeah, quote from the hippies, mm-hmm. yeah, which was so shoehorned in. I'm like, <laughs> is that about fetties of like you know through trial and error, through tragedy, do we really learn? I'm like, that's the message of this movie. And this actually leaves a lot more questions, especially with the fetties character uh, character, because now he just he walks back. I mean. Does, does he, what? To what? Does he explain? Does are there you know, someone's gonna find this carriage, he's gonna find he dies of pneumonia. Body. That's what happens to him. He's in the rain in the middle of the night yeah. after having a few drinks. So yeah, you wonder what exactly does he come back to? There's gonna be some investigation at some point right. and his boss is now dead. Yeah. He's got no income. L- l- lying in a golly with a body that's been you know exhumed. <laughs> So Where were there's going to be night? questions. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not sure Fetty's is going to have any answers, except he's going to spill everything. And, you know, I think in his career is over. <laughs> right. And let, he goes back, finds Mrs. Marsh. She's widowed. She, you know, like, okay, uh, you want to marry me? Please. <laughs> Your daughter likes me. Please take me in. <laughs> uh, there are still some scenes. Uh, we, like I said, any scene with Karloff is phenomenal yeah his lines are fantastic he actually does uh bella lugosi has a small role very uh, in, small in, in this as well as as just a uh a servant working for mcfarland uh, odd jobs cleaning up around the school and the house or whatever 
who uh, is obviously not very bright. <laughs> no. That guy did not know he was walking into his own death trap that he set. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but still, that scene is still really well played. The two of those guys do a really great job together. There are some a few other scenes, and I chalk this almost entirely up to maybe the, the direction. Like we said, this was Robert Wise directing, is the the moment when uh, Fetty's goes to Gray and tells him they need a body because he wants to have this body so they can do experiments so they can save this young girl. And uh, Gray hitches up his horse and goes out that night, and the uh, the singing woman, the girl, and that scene with, with her you know, walking down the street going into the uh, the dark the alley or whatever the dark alley and him just riding along in his carriage alongside and you just hear her sing and you hear her singing and then stop you don't hear her singing yeah. anymore <laughs> it's like, that's clever wow yeah that is a it's so effective because mm-hmm. you don't see a thing you don't hear no a struggle scream, nothing you just the 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 music just kind of stops it just kind of stops with a huh? like yeah a, like a little bit of a gulp yeah because up to that point. There's no murder. The The worst crime is having dug up a body. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, like, there's not even a conversation of get a body by any means necessary. There's none of that. And that happens, and instantly you're like, he killed her. There's no doubt about it. There's no second interpretation. That's what happened. What great, effective way of, of showing a murder with never showing a murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... I think watching it, I was really impressed with this film, and that scene kind of sealed it for me. Mm-hmm. I went, wow, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> the first time I saw that, I was just wow. And there's I was blown very, away. Yeah, there's very little light on the scene. Mm-hmm. It's just oof. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, I watched this off of my computer in a in a lit room. I'm just trying to imagine watching this in a theater. It's just because the most of the light is coming off of like a street light, right? Uh, candle, you know, candle, candle, yeah. street light. The candle on the carriage, and as the carriage goes into the darkness, that light goes away. So mm-hmm. you're almost in a pitch black scene at that point. So just imagine being in a theater, hearing that singing. It stopped. I bet people in the theater screamed. <laughs> In 1945, I yes. have no doubt people probably started just freaking out. I would love, would absolutely, that. that's why I want to invent a time machine. It's to just go back. to go back in time to watch these movies at their premieres and see the audience reactions, you know, yeah. and see how they are compared to the reactions today, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Now, this is in a series of films uh, produced by Val Luton. Uh, he produced, oh... He produced a lot of different films. Uh, there's a collection of horror films that he did that are just 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 a notch above like everything else that was coming out at this time, you know, through the 40s. Uh, like this one in particular, it just has that extra little edge. It just like elevates it to something a little bit more than just being a horror film. Uh, and I would recommend anybody seek out. You can actually uh, find the entire like set on DVD and Blu-rays. It's the, it's the Val Luton collection. And I would really recommend, because I think this is probably the best, mm. um, but that doesn't mean that the others aren't good. Uh, there's other, a few scenes similar to the one with the, like you were talking with the carriage scene, where the, there's certain scenes that just really just peg it in every film. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about the body snatcher? There's just, this is just more of my own personal experience, even though it didn't happen, because the only other... 
Boris Karloff thing I had ever seen is the original Frankenstein. I've never even like sat and watched it start to finish, but I know certain scenes. I've mm, seen certain mm-hmm. parts. And there's a history of that character with a little girl too. <laughs> yeah. So I kept getting really worried about the little girl in this movie. I kept fearing for her, mm. even though he was so kind and gentle with her. I just kept thinking like, I, I by that association, I kept thinking this girl is not safe. Something is going to happen. And that scene towards the end where she's like, I want to see the horse. I want to see the horse. I kept thinking she was going to tumble over the wall <laughs> because you don't realize they're up on like a bridge or something. Yeah, they're on the ramparts or right. something. Yeah. Until you get the angle of them looking down at the horse earlier and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, they're up really high. Right. There's no reason for them to be up there unless that height plays. And then when... Fetty's and Mrs. Marsh are talking and the girl's like, mommy, mommy, I want to see the horse. And they're ignoring her because they're trying to have a serious conversation right. about her. And she starts to like pull herself up. I kept going like, no, 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 no. Get, get, get back. Get away from the wall. Get away from the wall. Sit down. Sit down. One. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, it's just to show that she can walk. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. She didn't go over the wall like I thought was going to happen. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that was my experience with that scene. Fantastic. I was having like panic. I was like, get down, get down. <laughs> well, that I think that says something too about this film that it can get you that involved. <laughs> yeah. Just for it to be, it's a good moment. Okay. All right. Oh, slow my heart rate down. And it is true that this film, there are times where you don't exactly know where what direction it's going to go. Yeah. So there are dark elements about this movie. So I wouldn't put it above this movie to do... or To throw her off the wall <laughs> yeah. trying to see the horse. Oh, the irony of, you know, she could finally walk and she... She's died. Stepped off the edge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> put that in your haze code. <laughs> so that's the last little thing. That was kind of... Where I went with that scene. And I'm so glad it didn't go that way because it was freaking me out. <laughs> Every time she's like, Mommy, I want to see the horse. I was like, turn it. Look at your daughter. She's going to die. Child rearing in 1945 was different than it is in 2019. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Kids are always like, they're just talking. Ignore yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah, you can go to the top of the swing, whatever. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I had a pretty good feeling. This was, I mean, I know I've brought a couple of films and sometimes they're a little bit more on the cheesy side and everything. This was a truly quality film. It is. That I, I really thought you would enjoy. So I'm, I'm very happy that that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's it for the movie review, but not the end of the show. Because we do have something to talk about here. This is We haven't mentioned it really. I've only talked about it to a couple people online and everything. This will be your last episode as a regular host of Time Shifters. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Stepping back. Um, happy to come back in a guest capacity. I just have a lot going on. I actually um, yeah, closing out a few things. Um, uh, my friends and I, for 10 years, 10 years today, actually, we have been do- we've had a, a YouTube channel that we just retired earlier this week. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of like closing a few other uh, creative <laughs> outlets just because you know 10 years ago i was in my early mid-20s it's like it was easier to do things then i had time yes. and i could stay up all night and not care now it's like all right it i'm gets, exhausted gets, <laughs> all the time it, it gets harder yeah it does so you know happy uh you know i i just want to thank you 
so much for taking a chance on someone who's never done podcasting before. Uh, we've been at this for over three years three now. Years, uh-huh. And uh, I've kept count. If you count even like our, our quick little side episodes, this is our 75th episode together. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, can't thank you enough. I, I really appreciate it. Um, plan to come back. I've already like written out a list of like guest role movies for, for this podcast and probably for a handful of others that I'm going to beg to be on. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm still doing season 14 time for a podcast so people can catch mm-hmm. me there. You can catch my Twitter, my Instagram. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I'm sure there's a few people out there like, God, he's gone. <laughs> no, I doubt it. That that guy, he just, that was supposed to be a nice movie. Why'd he find that dark edge to it? <laughs> yeah, it is true. You do have a habit of doing that. <laughs> that girl was never going to go off the bridge. What's wrong with you, you freak? Well, I really appreciate you stepping up and, and, and taking a chance yourself and doing this. I mean, I hadn't, Time Shifters had kind of faded for a while. I'd kept the stream alive only by occasionally, like a couple times a year, throwing something out, just a quick review or something like that. And when I decided I wanted to start the show back up in force, I didn't have anyone in mind. I didn't have, you know, any co-hosts. And I really just, yeah, I just kind of threw it out there. Like, hey, is anyone interested? Um, me, me, yeah, me. I went to a... Uh, the 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 what are they called the geek meet the geek uh, meet yeah I I forget the group it was some group that meets through uh, meetup meetup yeah the the meetup app or whatever and I hardly ever go to the things anyway but I thought well you know there's a lot of people different people that show up that's there. right down the road from here <laughs> it's it's literally walking di- yeah it's almost walking distance from my house so I well I'll go to this one and and throw it out and it might actually be the last one I went to matter <laughs> of fact. And yeah, so I threw it out there, and you just kind of turned around, and was like, "Hey, yeah, uh, I'll take a card. I might be interested." And uh, you you reached out, and we met, and we're like, Let's "Give it a whirl." And yeah, three plus years later, you know, we're putting a you know closing this chapter of the show, you know. But uh, I absolutely really appreciate it. you've brought some fantastic films to the to the table. You've brought some really great. Um, uh, point of views to, I mean, you've definitely opened my eyes to a couple. You know, you've talked. We've talked about films that I thought I knew really well, and you've mentioned a couple things. Wow, I hadn't thought of that before. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I really appreciate the time that we've spent here on the show. Great. So I yeah I, I have too. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, we will definitely miss you. Um, I say we. I will definitely miss you here on the show. Uh, definitely have you back as often as I can. Uh, what does this mean for the rest for the show going forward? Uh, I probably will take a little bit of a holiday break. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, uh, just because it's going to be Christmas. It's New Year's. Um, like I said, I don't remember exactly when this episode will drop. But anyway, so there will be a little a little hiatus. But then uh, starting in 2020, I still have a talk with Floyd and uh, a gentleman who uh, threw together the most recent Space 1999 convention, which I thought was going to be like a 30-minute discussion about the convention and turned into about an hour-and-a-half discussion about Space 1999. Perfect. <laughs> so, like, great. That's an episode. So uh, that'll probably be one of the first things you hear in January. And after that, I'm hoping to just bring in other friends and other podcasters to uh, just shoot the breeze about, you know, some film or their show or something and do my best to kind of keep the uh, keep the show going. So. So, yeah, there will be some changes. Hopefully, uh, I'll be able to keep a, a regular schedule and everything still. And uh, I, I appreciate everyone still tuning back in and 
obviously any suggestions or volunteers are welcome. People reach out <laughs> to this guy. He's he's willing to give you a shot. If if you're if you're mouthy enough like I am, maybe you can be a co-host. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't that's pretty much the prerequisite right there. Do you watch movies? Yeah. Do you like to talk about them? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Well, excellent. Well, Matt, yeah, thank you very much for everything that you've uh, you've done these past few years, and uh, I, you know, good luck with everything you do for it. Good luck with the continuation of your uh, season fourteen. I know you guys are only in what season two still, right? Uh, dropping season two episodes, recording season three episodes. I, I did the math recently. We're going to be at this for over five more years. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Because I know that that is that is, as well has got to be daunting and taking up quite a lot of your time, especially if you're recording that much in advance, mm-hmm. trying to just so you have stuff. I guess obviously you've got three people's schedules that you're trying to. That's always the hard part. Yeah, it can be very tricky. So yeah, good luck with that, and uh, good luck with school. And oh, I've graduated. you're done with school, yeah. so you're done with school. Though. I went through grad school through this podcast, <laughs> right? So you're done with that. So. Good luck with everything else in your life. And, yeah, we'll have you back real soon. Great. Excellent. Thanks. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, Everyone have a fantastic new year. Uh, We'll catch you in 2020.